Amen. So we're talking about the persecuted church and persecution uh, in general. We know that in this country, Christians are persecuted more now than ever before. Uh, People who tend to take a traditional conservative Judeo-Christian view on things and who serve the living God are coming under attack in ways that we never thought would happen to us. Uh, We've always assumed that we would have basic freedoms in this nation, uh, the freedom to go to a public restroom without fear is totally gone now. Uh, Things of that nature, just the basic things that have always been provided for us are now being eroded. And we wonder where all this is coming from. You know, what's what's going on in the world that is making it so uh, so difficult for basic people and basic needs to be met. We see many people protesting now where I know I lived through the 60s. And I don't ever want to go through that again. It's not a pleasant uh, period to have to endure. At that time, we thought we were fighting for something. I'm sure the people do now. But I see so many young people, and they're not working. And they have the free time to go and get involved in something and, uh, you know, get motivated by people and I believe it's a setup of the devil. It's not organized by God and it's not godly in the way that it's being demonstrated. I remember Martin Luther King Jr. saying that, um, oh, Martin III, the one that's uh, Jr.'s son, uh, saying that he remembered when his dad was alive, he said, and we would go to the church and we knew that we could get, we might get killed for protesting or we would get hosed down or whatever would happen. He said, we always knew some violence would meet us, but we were determined to be nonviolent and non-threatening. He said, and I remember we would pray and sing a hymn and go out. He said, that was what we did. We prayed, we sang a hymn, and we went out. And if you look in the Bible, that's what Jesus did on the night that he was crucified. He and the disciples sang a hymn and they went out to meet whatever fate uh, was waiting for them. And and so I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, God, when Satan tries to copy or manufacture something, he always starts with something that's familiar to people, something that seems familiar and seems like it would get good results, but in the end it does not have the result of God involved in it. And so we have to be wise uh, believers, continue to pray, And continue to understand what God's will is in these situations. When God does something, he does it in a way that there's peace on every side. He doesn't give some people peace and take away peace from others. He does it so that there is peace on every side. And when we intervene and we pray, we know that God will intervene and give the results that he wants to have in all situations. So never underestimate the power of prayer and praying the word. Uh, We don't have to be partisan. If you have particular uh, opinions about things, you can hold on to your opinions, but you can still pray the will of God. You can still pray the word of God. And so God doesn't strip you of your personal uh, political beliefs or abilities to vote however you want to vote and so forth and so on. But he does give us the ability through the Holy Spirit to understand his will and his will is peace. His will is justice, and he will vindicate people. We've seen tremendous uh, changes in our judicial system to where people who were once falsely accused now can get new evidence, can open trials. And you're seeing people who've been incarcerated wrongly for years uh, get their deliverance. And so we don't ever have to be afraid that God will not move on behalf of people who are innocent, and he won't find out who is guilty. And so God, we'll let God decide these things and we'll let God do these things. For certainly he will bring a lasting peace and he will bring bring peace on all sides. So we're talking in this session about uh, um, uh, the persecuted church in these afternoon meetings. And, And so what I do is I often will read a testimony or story from somebody who is, Uh, being persecuted now 
I've read uh, testimonies of people in the persecuted church in Vietnam, which have been very enlightening and very liberating for most of us who were young during the Vietnam War. So it's been very, very enlightening for us to understand exactly what was going on spiritually during these wars. All wars are wars against God. You need to understand that. He is the author or he is the Lord of war. And these wars are spiritual wars in their, uh, in their foundation, but they are carried out through natural means. And so when we look at war, we have to get kind of delve in and get underneath and get into the spiritual foundations of things so that we can make sure when we pray, we are praying the will of God. It seems that the persecuted church has a deep hunger and desire for the things of God. They have a deep hunger and desire to share the gospel, even though it's forbidden in many countries. And so I thought I'd share a couple of testimonies about people who are, <clears throat> who are on the front lines and being persecuted. Uh, the, this one is from Voice of the Martyrs, and it's their more recent um, edition. I think this one is from Communist China. Um, there's one story here about a, a woman who's a teacher who is imprisoned. But I see one about a pastor. I think I'll, I'll read that one this time and perhaps do the other one later. Um, and so this one is about the pastor uh, who was arrested and in prison. Uh, it says, if Huang uh, Honggu had appeared sad and beleaguered, it would have been completely understandable. Her husband, Pastor Yang Hua, had been arrested only four weeks earlier and she was now being trailed by communist government authorities. You know, in those nations, they, the police are there to control the people, not protect and serve, but to control the people. And so it's not unusual for people who are being investigated. What, what they do is the same thing that the, uh, the religious people uh, did to Jesus. They accused him of wanting to overthrow Caesar's government. And so when you preach the gospel in these communist nations, they see that as an attack against the government. And so they justify everything that they do against ordinary citizens, harassing them, following them around, because they are saying you are trying to, uh, you're fighting the government. What the government says must be right, and there's no power above that. But we know that God is all-powerful. And that there is no power on earth that can stand before a child of God who is in the will of God. So, uh, so we're talking about her situation. There, She's been trailed by government authorities. However, when we met her and her five-year-old son in the back room of a restaurant in China, we were greeted by graciousness rather than sadness. She politely provided a concise update of her husband's situation, saying she didn't know where Yang was. Yang Hua was but that she was sending money to the police station so they would provide food for him so it's not nearly like what we call a prison I mean there is shown up prison you'll starve to death if your family can't come up with money to buy food to feed you when asked whether she was worried about her husband she was quick to respond I'm worried about the impact on the church she said I'm worried about people falling away a growing threat. The church <clears throat> Wang Hongwu was referring to was the Livingstone Church or Hoshi Church in Giang. Pastors uh, founded the church in 2009 and it came under increasing government scrutiny and pressure as it grew in size and influence. Before it was shut down by the Chinese government, Livingstone was the largest house church in the area. Uh, Yang Hua, a third-generation pastor, is no stranger to persecution. His father spent time in jail in the late 1960s during the Cultural Revolution because of his Christian faith, and Yang Hua himself was briefly detained once before. Born in Li Gozi, the pastor later changed his name to Yang Hua, which means looking up to Jehovah. Before helping found Livingstone, he had preached in the countryside for more than a decade. The first 20 or so people to join the Livingstone Church were believers he had met in his early years of preaching. Yang Hua is known for looking after not only his own congregation, 
but also other house churches in the region that experienced government persecution. Lawyers in his congregation also assist with other house churches. The government knows that wherever they are involved in persecution, there is something there related to my husband, his wife said. That is why the government hates him so much. After being detained for 10 days in in mid-December 2015, Yang Hua was formally placed under criminal detention in December uh, 21st, charged with illegally possessing state secrets. Later, police searched his home, confiscated his computer, a tablet device, USB drives, and other items. When Wang Hongwu drove to the detention center expecting her husband's release, she instead saw him taken away. Today I went up to pick up Pastor Yang, but I failed, she posted on a social media site. I saw four people pushing him into a van without a license plate. He had on a black hood and his mouth might have been sealed. I called out to him, but he didn't respond. Those four people did not allow me to approach him. They pushed him into the car and sped away. I asked the detention center, and they only said that the department managing him took him away. They could not tell me which department. I can only hand everything to the Lord. She, Both of them had long discussed the possibility of imprisonment and agreed that if it occurred, God would use it for the good of his kingdom. With that in mind, uh, Wang Kong-woo said she is not afraid. As a Christian, I know that such things will happen. Jesus said that light has come into the world, but the world does not understand it. See, that's what we get here. When we're told that we are hate peoples, we are preaching hate, spreading hate, it's because the world, it's light that we emanate that's come into a dark world and they don't understand it and they can't comprehend it. When we saw all of these government polices, policemen, they were violent, I could see the darkness in their hearts. She has no ill feelings toward the policemen or Chinese government officials. We bless our government, she said. We ask God to give them wisdom to do the right thing. We love those in our government. Wang Hongwu said their two sons, ages 5 and 15, understand what happened and talk openly about it. She said their oldest son prays for his father and has peace about his imprisonment. While she also prays for her husband, Wang Hongwu has other concerns. I pray for my husband, but I pray for our church and the most and ask God to lead us in his will and his way. A show of force, a surge of growth. The Livingstone Church started with about 20 members in 2009 and had grown to more, more than 400 by 2013 when it began offering multiple services at three locations every Sunday. By 2015, the church had a regular attendance of more than 700. The Chinese government has harassed the church since its founding, interfering in numerous events. During Christmas services one year, government agents shut off the church's electricity and water, and during two large baptismal events, each including the baptism of 100 new believers, as well as more than 300 other attendees, the government deployed, deployed double that number of police and government workers to stop the services. Now, we think that's far-fetched, but we're very close to that here. You know, we're being told we have to marry certain people. They'll shut us down if we don't do it. So it's here. See, it's here. It says here, again on November 8, 2014, as the church held a consecration service for its new 7,000-square-foot space in an office building, the government providing, provided an intimidating presence. Several hundred policemen surrounded the building, and about 200 police cars, ambulances, and other emergency responders added to the threatening atmosphere. For months, the police force, the State Administration for Religious Affairs, and Internal Security Department, and other government agencies did their best to slow the church's growth and interfere with its activities. At one point, they posted a notice at the building's entrance, stated that the church was an unapproved, non-religious center set up without permission. The notice also stated that the church's leaders were not religious instructors 
and urged the public not to participate in the church's illegal religious activities. Government officials pressured members to close the church and join the Three Self-Patriotic Movement, a state-sanctioned church run by the Communist Party. See, that's what's wanted to happen in this country. They want the government to control what we say, what we think, when we meet, how we meet, what we do, what we can't do. Many Christians in China, however, refuse to join. That's all you need to do to please God. Refuse. Just stand on what God's told you and refuse. They refuse to join the three self-churches because it would mean submitting to government control of their faith. A huge number of believers from Livingstone received numerous visits at their houses for chats, Pastor Sue Tianfu told Radio Free Asia, they were directly told that their Livingstone Church is an illegal organization, that all of its activities are illegal, and that it's banned by the government, and they absolutely could not continue attending. Then they had their photographs taken and were asked to sign statements promising to sever their connections with the church. Our church has several hundred people, and 99% had received phone calls been called in for face-to-face meetings, or had their homes visited. Overall attendance at the Livingstone Church continued to grow despite the harassment, but the government eventually took over the church building and froze the church's financial assets. The Chinese Communist Party, the world's largest political party, attained strict control over Chinese citizens and strives to maintain China's cultural roots. Any sign of opposition is swiftly crushed. The government controls what is taught at TSPM churches, the only churches Chinese citizens can legally join. It is illegal to preach on the resurrection or the second coming. And pastors cannot speak publicly about issues such as China's family planning policy. Some books of the Bible such as Daniel and Revelation, are also problematic, and even TSPM churches are sometimes shut down for failing to follow government orders. Despite, See, they believe the government is God. That's the danger of allowing thoughts to come in like God is dead, there is no God, letting atheists uh, sue the government to take God out of church. That's the danger there. Because the first thing that, that the communists do in every country they take overtake is they remove God. They take God away from people. And then they replace them with the government. It's the same thing here. It's subtle in a way, but we're being replaced. God is being replaced by government at an alarming rate now. Government gives you a check for this. No, you can't have a full-time job. But we'll give you food stamps, we'll give you this, we'll just enough to keep you barely making it so that you have to worship the golden calf. Amen. The government controls what is taught in those churches. Despite the government's restrictions on Chinese churches and Christian practice, Bibles are generally available in urban areas through uh, registered bookstores. People in rural areas, however, struggle to obtain or even afford Bibles. Teaching children any kind of religious doctrine other than that approved by TSPM is illegal, and Sunday school and Christian children's material are forbidden. In addition, instances of overt persecution are increasing in frequency. Christians are imprisoned, churches are shut down. Homes of believers are raided and Christian literature is confiscated. 2015 was a rough year for Christians in China, more so than usual, a voice of the martyr workers said. The government seems to be going after the boldest, strongest churches, those with most, those most active within the community. I think what scares the Chinese leadership the most is networking and churches getting together and organizing to help other Christians that are being persecuted. So when we start to unify, that brings a bigger threat to the enemy. 
I can remember in the 60s and 70s when non-denominal churches got to be very, very popular. It seems that it's been mushrooming since then because we just broke down walls and said anybody can come. Before, the devil didn't bother us because we fought each other too well. But when you stop fighting one another and you get unified and you break down all the walls, then you become a bigger threat to the enemy. Voice of the Martyr provides Sunday school materials and children's Bibles in China, supports printing of Bibles and Christian literature, and helps families of those in prison because of their faith. We also support small underground Bible schools and evangelists who work in unreached areas. The Refining Power Persecution. About a third of the Livingstone Church's members are afraid to even talk to Wang Hawu for fear of being arrested. Some have started attending other house churches and others have stopped attending church altogether. Wang Hongwu said she understands their anxiety, especially since government authorities continue to watch them and interrogate members at random. If I ever get the chance, I will come and visit them and encourage them to be strong in the Lord, she said. During this persecution, I can also see another purpose from God. Even though some people fall away from the church, some people become stronger, especially the church leaders. This persecution has made them stronger. So you see, we have people who can see the good in what the enemy, like Joseph said, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. So there's always two meanings, amen? Everything that goes on in our lives always has two meanings. The enemy means it for evil, but God means it for our good. And so we have to hold on to the good in all bad situations. It's not all bad news all the time. I know when I sat and watched the the, um, TV on Friday night, I was crying. I just felt so bad that police officers, you know, these are the people. Now, I'm invested heavily in them because I sincerely pray for them. And I know all of you are, too. And pray for their safety. And it's a hurtful thing to see that happen like that. And it's never justified. You know, don't let the enemy play with your mind. You know, it's, well, they get what's coming to them. And people, Christians on Facebook jump up and say that kind of nonsense. And it's an abomination to the Lord. Because God does not order people to be executed. Do you understand me? They're just carrying out their duties. It's, it's, it's unthinkable what's happening to people. But the enemy is, is always angry because he has a short time. And he's doing as much damage as he can in the short time that he has. So I thought I would read you <clears throat> a more older testimony. I, um, the, uh, I have a book called The Midnight Bride. And it's by Richard Wormbrand, the man who started the Voice of the Martyrs. He was in prison for Christ for over 20 years. And uh, he, he said every day he preached a sermon to himself. And he said God blessed him in that after he got out of prison, he remembered all the sermons word for word. <clears throat> Amen. It's a gift of the Spirit. And so he, he sat uh, to writing many of the thoughts and stuff that he had during the time. He wrote a book called The Midnight Bride, and he took all of the themes from the Song of Solomon. <clears throat> so every day he was given a different sermon based on a scripture from the Song of Solomon. So this one is from Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 9. The bridegroom says, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Even as he rebukes, the bridegroom uses words of gentleness. <clears throat> the bride who causes the bridegroom's sadness is addressed, O oh my love, let us also learn to sweeten our reproofs with good words. Praise must go hand in hand with rebuke. In his epistles, Paul sometimes rebukes believers with great harshness But his rebukes are accepted because they never arrived unaccompanied. They came with gentle words, expressing appreciation of the good qualities in the believers. Before rebuking them, he wrote to the Romans, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. 
that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. To the Philippians, he wrote, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know, when I was a young believer, I would always write encouraging notes to people. And that was one of the scriptures God gave me to always put on my notes. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And I, I remember even when you, you were at odds with people, you had to thank God when you thought about them. To the Thessalonians, he wrote, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers. This is how one removes the bitterness of rebuke. Antonia, Antonina, was an abbess, uh, that's a, a female uh, monk, of the women's convent in the town of Casalare in the Caucasus. In 1917, during the early days of Russia, Russia's revolution, when the plundering of monasteries was a common occurrence, a mob of Bolshevik bandits broke into her convent. They looted and destroyed it, shooting several nuns who resisted them. The abbess Antonina fled to the convent of Vladisvastavastavastavast. But posters were hung offering a reward of 3,000 rubles to anyone reporting her whereabouts. The communists could not trace her, though they suspected she was hiding in another convent. Time passed when one day a young girl arrived at Antonina's convent. With many tears, the girl begged Antonina, the abbess of Vladabajabajabara, to take her in, saying her father and mother had been killed and their estate burglarized. She played the part so well that she succeeded in winning the confidence of the abbess who, out of sympathy, not only took in the girl but was kind to her. She also confided in, in Antonina, confided in her Antonina's secret. Soon after, the girl disappeared. She was an agent of the secret police looking for Antonina. That night, the militia surrounded the convent. No one could escape. They broke into the convent, demanding they give up. When the two cell attendants went upstairs to tell Antonina what was happening, she said, well... What can I do? If it pleases the Lord that they find me, find me, let it be so. But if it is not his will, he, was clo- he will close people's eyes. They seeing me will not see me. Come, we will go out in front of them. The nuns put, on, put a sheepskin coat on her, and the three women went down the stairs and simply walked out of the convent gate before the eyes of the Red Army soldiers. They had not gone far when they heard the commander shouting, who just went out of the gate? Who was let out? We saw nobody, the soldiers answered. What do you mean, reported the angry commander. Someone just left in a white sheepskin coat accompanied by two nuns. Several years later, before her martyr death, Antonina met the girl who had informed on her. She did not start with words of rebuke, but said to her, I valued very much the tears you shed when asking to be received as a nun in the convent. It it is very difficult to fake tears. They must have come from a heart whose depths have a spark of genuine love for Christ. You have been misused. You were young. You did not know what you were doing. But But God did not just see you denounce me. He heard your prayers, which were not all falsehood. There may have been an occasional note of sincerity. God will pity your soul, only repent. There was so much friendliness, spiritual beauty, and complete lack of resentment in the words of Abbess Antonina that the girl's heart was pierced. She became a real believer in Christ. Let us also learn to rebuke like this. Amen? So it's good to know that when even when you're persecuted, you can love people. Even when you're persecuted, you can pray for people. You can pray for your enemies. You can pray for those who do wrong. You can pray for those who murder other people. You can pray sincerely for the souls of men, even though the enemy is, is deeply trying to harm you. I, was gonna, I need to share something with you. I was thinking I, I want to add this to our prayers 
prayers for persecution and prayers for um, for wisdom for people in our government and uh, for people now to be wise because this is a time where we need to be wise as serpents but harmless as doves amen so um, and, and there's a, um, a strategy that seems to be working against this nation now and I thought I'd share it with you has anybody heard of the fifth column fifth column The fifth column, I'll give you the definition that's here, because there are a lot of people who teach on government and teach on the Constitution in this nation and and teach on um, one world government powers rising up and that kind of thing. Look at the fifth column as a military tactic that is being used more and more in different countries and governments and so forth. It says, fifth column is a clandestine or secret group or faction of subversive agents who attempt to undermine a nation's solidarity by any means at their disposal. The term is credited to Emilio Mola Vidal, a nationalist general during the Spanish Civil War. Now, there was Spain had a civil war between 1936 and 1939, and he was a general during the Spanish Civil War. As four of his army columns moved on Madrid, the general referred to his militant supporters within the capital as the fifth column. So while he was, he had four columns of soldiers marching into the city, but he said there's a fifth column already inside the city that never bowed to the government. They're subversive. So they're waiting for them to come to help overthrow the government. If you, if you look at something biblical, you could see maybe Rahab the harlot was a type of fifth column. But she was working on God's side. These people are subversive against their sworn government. See, I get... I I don't take lightly things that we see, like when people are burning the American flag. And why they don't consider that to be an act of treason, I don't know. But I think when you talk about freedom of expression, there should be a limit to how far and what a person can express. Because you can't pledge allegiance to something and want to tear it down at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? And so there's something wrong with our thinking in the way now that we interpret our Constitution, with the way that we interpret freedom, with the way we interpret many things. And people really are afraid to step in and put limits on things because then they get accused. And of course we live, this is a war of accusation really, it's a war of words. And so if you're accused of something and you feel like you don't have defense for yourself, you'll bow down and cower back. And that's really what's happening with people who legitimately want to preserve our government, our way of life, all the things that we fought for so many centuries to keep intact here, they are trying to destroy that through our own laws and perversion of our own laws. So anyway, um, Emilio Mola Vidal, a nationalist general during the Spanish Civil War, as four of his army columns moved on Madrid, the general referred to his militant supporters within the capital as his fifth column, intent on undermining the loyalist government from within. So a fifth column movement is a movement that under, undermines the power of the government from within. So whenever you see people chipping away at freedoms, chipping away at the Constitution, chipping away... That's known as fifth column activity, and we need to take authority over that, expose the subversion for what it is, and ask God to help people to speak up and stop this instead of allowing it to happen through intimidation. A cardinal technique of the fifth column is the infiltration of sympathizers into the entire fabric of the nation under attack, and particularly into positions of policy, decision, and national defense. So when you see 
people with subversive ideas gaining access to high levels of government, gaining access in the military, gaining access. And this is fifth column activity where they are subverting the power and diluting the power so that when you go to war, you're already crippled because you're not going in authority. You're not going in strength. You're not going with the idea a victory, you're just going to go in there and see what you can do and your hands are basically tied. This is what happens with the United Nations. Every time they get involved in something, their rules of engagement are don't engage, really, is what it is. And just, you know, maintain. And you'll see people that, that, uh, that when they had that uh, battle in Rwanda through to, between the two different tribes, the United Nations went in, but the, what they weren't allowed to do anything. And the one man who is in charge of that uh, UN forces there was suicidal for many years because of watching all that bloodshed and there was nothing that he could do about it. Every day they subjected him to have to watch that and not be able to do anything. And so this is the, the, the product of subversion. This is how it operates. It says, um, from such key posts... They have key positions in government, key positions in the military. Fifth column activists exploit the fears of a people by spreading rumors and misinformation, as well as by employing one more standard technique of espionage and sabotage. So you can see their, their weapons are their tongue. Part of what is helping the fifth column in this nation, and I believe it's active here. I think it's always active in every country. We used to execute people for treason and espionage, but we're hard-pressed to do that anymore because nobody wants to prosecute anybody for that. We, we boil it all down to they have freedom of expression or freedom of this or freedom of that. You know, if your freedom is undermining your government's authority and your government's ability to protect citizens and have a normal way of life, then what are you letting that freedom exist for? You see what I'm saying? It's not free if it hinders the freedom of another person. You got me? It's, it's not freedom. There's, there's a choice being made there. So what they do, they, they attain to key positions in government. They exploit the fears of people. It's like when Mitt Romney was running for president. I never heard so many people talk about, oh, he's going to, he's, he's an evil man. He's a, now, when have we ever called people running for office evil? And see, fifth column activity is to blow up negative responses or negative ideas in people. Uh, one of the things that people were afraid of was that he was in this war on women. You've heard that phrase. And uh, they're going to take away our ability to reproduce and not reproduce and all. Anything to keep fear in people so that you can keep control of them. You need to know that there is a, a group heading toward a one world government. Amen. That's always been, ever since the Tower of Babel, men have wanted to rule the world, like a Caesar, ruling the whole world. While we know God won't ever let that happen, it is a sign of the end time, where the Antichrist will get people so under his fearful control that he will ascend to power and get people under his control to a degree nobody will be able to buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast. You know that. And so what's happening across the world is that people are yielding to pressure, yielding to intimidation. One of the reasons that people are so angry at Britain for voting out of the, the EU is because what that means is you're going to have all of, now in, in Europe, all of the borders are down. You don't. There's no such thing as just Spain anymore. You can go freely from Spain to France. To... That's how the Muslims got so far into Europe when they started moving out of Syria. 
and see there was a fifth column in Syria and I believe some of our leaders in our country were a part of the fifth column activity. I know they were in um, Benghazi and uh, what's that? Libya, right. They underthrew, overthrew the government in Libya through fifth column activity. And our government was a part of that. Because we have very powerful people heading toward a one world government. Radical Islamic activity is a part of it. To keep people in fear. To keep them bowing to the government. We'll protect you from the radicals if you will do this. and Give up freedom just to, so you can survive every day. So it's not just a thought in a um, conspiracy theory. It's real because there are parts of these activities. And what I believe we should do and add to our prayer is to expose and root out all fifth column activity in this nation so that we won't have subversive people undermining our government and attaining to high positions where they can get in the White House and start calling the shots and not protecting the people and not standing up for the people and that kind of thing so that we can root that out of our government once and for all. So uh, we'll add this to our prayer. I think, Pastor Shirley, wherever you think we can do it and we put it on post. But do you understand the concept now? Can you see? I'm not paranoid now. I know I, I used to be a little nuts, but I was never paranoid. But uh, But I can see... This activity at work very much now in our government. You get disgruntled people who are full of fear. You fill them with fear. And you get them to a place where they're afraid for. And then the government steps in and wants to protect certain people and not protect other ones. And that's part of that activity. So we'll we'll add this to our prayers. Uh, one of the posters, probably get a couple of them uh, Print it out, Shannon. Print out one for uh, Miss Wanda to add in in uh, Detroit, and we'll add it to our our um, protection prayer. Maybe we'll decide where we want to put it, but we want to root out all fifth column activity. The other thing that gets to be a part of this is the fifth estate, which includes all this un unauthorized. Um, internet activity uh, that we we know that the press in the past past has always been referred to as a fourth estate because they have as much power almost as the branches of government do because they control information now we have birthed out a little side person in the media and it's referred to really as the, the fifth estate because it sprung up all of its own, but it uses the same principles as the fourth estate, and that is disseminating information. And we know that when you have the freedom to put something, quote unquote, on the Internet, and it goes viral because everybody is free to share it and all that kind of stuff, you can, you can get a lot of bad information spread in a very short time and get people stirred up to the point where they'll get out and act on things where they never would have acted on it before. And so we need to break the power of the fourth and fifth estate, which that's in our uh, uh, protection, one of our protection uh, media prayer. And so we do that, take authority over this fifth estate credibility, because once people start putting things on the Internet and it's believed, we got problems. Fortunately, God can help people to discern so that they will know whether that's true, whether it's false, or whether they shouldn't. It's amazing. Somebody, I heard somebody do a study recently, and they said only 11% of people believe what they see on the Internet. And that's kind of interesting. But, you know, you just need a small number of people to take one thing and start blowing it up and make it what they want it to be. It's amazing how people will get so angry over something they see that's really on the level of a movie or a cartoon because of the amount of reality that's there. 
but it's portrayed as something that's real. And so we have to guard against all of this um, false activity, all of this misinformation and false information. We have to really be on our toes as far as understanding what's real and what's not real. Uh, e- avoid emotionalism. Take everything within to the Holy Spirit and ask him to show you what's right, what's not right, what's true, what's false, what's legitimate, what's not legitimate. And govern yourselves accordingly. But never stray away from the word of God. If, you're taking a, if you've taken a stand on something, you continue to stand on it and don't waver. Because God, whatever he gave you to pray, when he gave you to pray, gave it to you to pray, he meant to see it come to pass. No matter what happens in between, that word is still going to come to pass. In the end, it will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. It will not tarry forever. It will surely come to pass. And so that's what God always wants us to stand on. No matter what we see happening, no matter what's going on, we know that we don't have to give in to this and we don't have to sit back and wring our hands and we certainly don't have to believe everything that we see and hear. We can go within and let the, and let God show us what it is that he wants us to know in all of these situations. So I'm going to read one more testimony from Voice of the Martyrs. This is about a lady uh, that was in prison. She was, I think she was a teacher. Ah, where was she teaching? She was teaching the Bible to children. I do know that. So this is uh, Du Hongbo always thought he would be the one sent to prison. Instead, he has been a single dad to his two young boys for the past two years while his wife has been in prison. In 2014, uh, she was a full-time Christian, he was a full-time Christian worker and his wife, Cheng Ji, was serving as director of the foreign language experimental kindergarten. The couple had two young children, ages three and one. In February last year, while Du Hongbo was helping a house church in another part of China, about 20 police officers showed up at the couple's home and arrested his wife. He immediately rushed back home. I had no idea what was happening, he said. <clears throat> Shang Ji was detained for several months before the government officially charged her with illegal business practices related to her work at the kindergarten. In June 2014, three others were arrested in connection with the case. And in August, authorities accused the kindergarten of violating China's law of education. By, we've got that now. You understand me? The, the government tells us what to teach and what. If you don't want your children to learn about homosexuality and they're in, in a public school, that's too bad. You either take them out, tell them they don't listen to that or whatever you need to do. But it's, it's being done whether we like it or not. And... <clears throat> uh, the charges focused on the school's curriculum, which taught character and values to the young students, but was not overtly Christian. The educational materials make no mention of God or Jesus, merely using stories and games to teach children about honesty and trustworthiness. Well, the dishonest government don't want you being honest. That's where, according to school staff and others, parents were pleased with the curriculum. However, the kindergarten had been founded by the Langren Church, so authorities saw the school as an extension of the church's activities. One of the four arrested was Huang Quiri, a church pastor who had no role at the school, but had transported curriculum materials to the facility. Authorities also arrested the school's accountant, as well as a printer who had produced the materials. The printer's wife contends that her husband, who is not a Christian, was included in the case so the authorities could cover up the fact that they were persecuting people based on their religion. The Howland Kindergarten was forced to close and there are no plans to reopen the school. Before God called me to serve him, we knew such things would happen in this world. See, these people accept it. They're not trying to deny it, pretend it won't happen. Oh, not here, that doesn't happen. Yeah. They accept it. When I made a decision to serve the Lord full time, I was thinking they would put me in jail. It was beyond my imagination that they would put my wife in jail. Cheng Ji remained in prison a full year before her case finally went to court. 
and her absence has been deeply felt by her husband and children. Speaking to Voice of the Martyrs workers last year, Du Hongbo said, My heart is depressed every time I see my two kids. I don't know how to take care of kids. When they ask me, I do not know how to answer. The kids need their mother. It is difficult for the boys to understand what happened, although the younger one doesn't really remember his mom. He was only a year old when she was arrested. Du Hongbo said the other, older one misses her very much. He always asks for mom. Du Hongbo hit a low point in February 2015 during Chang Ji's trial. When one of the defendant's lawyers argued that the judge was biased, the judge threw him out of the courtroom. And later, when the lawyers protested that they had been denied access to trial documents, they were all thrown out. I was angry, Du Hongbo recalled, but now I am past it. I believe that God is in control. The situation is teaching me to come back to the Lord, to depend on him, to look upon him, not the lawyer or, or something else. For the last year, I used human effort. I was looking for friends to see how things were going with her and how to help her. I didn't really get any results, so God was teaching me to come back to him, to look up to him. Of course, I wish for my wife to come back so our family can be reunited, but all I can do now is just pray to God and wait for his time. <clears throat> Preaching the gospel in prison. Du Hongbo had been eagerly anticipating his wife's release from prison in February, and just before this newsletter went to press, Cheng Ji was reunited with her family. I'm really happy, he said, adding that Cheng Ji was worried that her kids wouldn't recognize her. During the past year, he was able to visit her about once a month for 30 minutes, though he never took the boys. They talked over a microphone, but he couldn't see her and the guards were always listening. He said she had been forced to get up at 5 a.m. and work until 10 p.m. Other Chinese prisoners have confirmed the long work hours, denial of treatment for medical problems, and limited poor quality food. One Chinese believer who spent more than three years in prison joked that he went on the prison diet. He had lost a significant amount of weight by the time of his release. Zhang Qi told her husband that she has shared her faith with other prisoners. Specifically, she led four prisoners who were under a death sentence to faith in Christ. One is due to be executed soon, and Zhang Qi said she hopes to visit that new believer soon, if possible. Dong, du Hongbo, the husband, expects the family to have to relocate. Voice of Martyr will continue to support them as we did throughout her imprisonment. She will have difficulty getting a new job, and she will always be monitored by local law enforcement. The couple's commitment to the Lord, however, will not change. They plan to remain in ministry. My calling from God uh, is to serve him full time, Du Hongbo said. That means I won't look for a job. When we move, we will still preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We're going to pray our prayer of persecution. And <clears throat> I'll add our new, <clears throat> new information to it. And we'll believe God. Praise God. <clears throat> Part of the persecution, I believe, against law enforcement and against the military is because they stand for protecting our government and our government traditions. They are sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution. And so we have to add them to our prayers because they are being persecuted as well. Uh, the hands of police are trying, they're trying to tie the hands of the police so that they won't go forward and, and root out the bad people. And, uh, you know, this gets to be anarchy after a while, you know, where there's no rules, there's no anything. Law enforcement is afraid to move and do what they're called to do. So we're going to ask God to work in these situations. He knows what to do. He knows what's needed. He knows how to do these things. So we, we just trust God and we believe God. So I'll pray in the understanding. You pray in the spirit. And we thank you, Father, Lord God of heaven and earth. We submit to you, resist the devil, and he must flee. We command the enemy to flee from us seven ways. 
Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We are serving you. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. laughing. Behold their threatening. Stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. I declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish. They will fall by their own counsels. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge us, O Lord, according to our integrity that's in us. Let the mischief of those who persecute us return upon his own head. Keep us as the apple of the eye. Hide us under the shadow of thy wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you that you have given us the necks of our enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against us. Cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against us without a cause and who hate us. It's time for you to work, O Lord. They have made void your law. It is time for you to work, O Lord, for they have made void your law. It is time for you to work, O Lord, for they have made void your law. Lord, we know that it is nothing for you to help. Help us, O Lord, our God. O save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. But the Lord is with us as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, our persecutors shall stumble and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. Father, we thank you that those who live godly will suffer persecution, but we will prevail. We thank you, Father, for Voice of the Martyrs ministry. We thank you to strengthen them in their resistance to all persecution and intimidation. We thank you for release of prisoners. We thank you, Lord, for wisdom in our leaders in this nation. And we break the power of the fifth column in our government in the name of Jesus. We bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. We render you ineffective. We say every subversive move in our government will be exposed. They will be rooted out. They will be arrested. And they will be brought to naught. So we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen again. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, this is the time to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Amen. You don't need to blab and talk about everything that you know, you know, casting our pearls before swine. I found that many people talk about spiritual warfare, but many few people actually engage in it to the degree that they get any means measure of victory. And so and that is not to make us special in any way, but we're just being obedient to what God has called us to do and to stand until his enemies are made his footstool. That's what he put us here for. So we're not going to be moved and we're not going to shrink back and we're not going to withdraw. But we will continue to advance and advance and advance. And at every turn where we need more information, where we need more wisdom, we need more strategy. The Holy Spirit is always there to help us so that we prevail against the power of our enemies. So we thank you, Lord, for giving us understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us total victory over all dark powers, whether wherever they exist in government, wherever they exist in any form, wherever they exist at any time, that we will do what you have put us in this earth to do and that we will be the light that you have called us to be in this dark world. Even though the darkness cannot understand or comprehend it, we will be light. And we thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Miss Juan, if you want to put on some music and we'll pray and see what God wants to do next. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy is the Lord. 